This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Gingrich, and I am thrilled that you are here today. I'm a little under the weather, so you can probably hear that in my voice, but I want to welcome you to this podcast and also to this exciting new, brand new year of 2023. We have really big goals set here for ourselves personally, also for this brand, for you as our listener, and of course, for our certified director of operations community. It's just going to be an exciting year. As you guys have heard, if you've listened to the most recent podcast, I am narrowing in on innovation, actually agile innovation, and making sure that we just continue to evolve into serving what our community wants, needs, and being there for you guys. You guys are on the other end of the mic or on the other ear of the earbud for me, and it's just important for me, most important for me, that we have a real sense of community here, whether you are in our paid communities or you are learning by listening here on this podcast. So again, thank you for being here. And I really am full of anticipation for a excellent year in 2023. And I hope that I can bring you some insight, some wisdom, some encouragement, some love, and a whole lot of transparency as we navigate a brand new year. If you're listening to this podcast, I want you to know that you are in the right place if you are a service provider of any sort. So what does a service provider mean? If that's new language for you, it is when you have a gift or a passion in a particular area and you sell that service to your client. So that makes you a service provider. And you can do that through a ton of different ways and services and offerings. I can tell you that project management may be one, you know, graphic design, marketing services, bookkeeping, instructional design, the gamut of services are huge. And That is the person that I am most helpful with talking to. So if you are monetizing a service, you are in the right place. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. And so in one way, I am talking to people who are service providers who are building their business. And in another aspect, I am talking to people who are in longer term commitments as in an employee for another company. And so either way, you are in the right place if you are here to learn and grow your skills and services as a service provider. And our sweet spot is in the realm of operations. And operations for us means those women who are looking to grow and to develop skills in the area of strategic operations in which we call strategic mapping, but this can be done in a lot of different formats. That's just my intellectual property that we teach inside of our certification program. 
project management is a huge piece of operations. Human resources is very, very big, as well as data and finance. And so those are the five areas of operations. And operations is not limited to just those five, but those are the five that we teach on. We believe that that gives you a well-rounded view of operations for small business. So wanted to give you a little recap of who I am, why I'm here, and who is the best fit to listen to this podcast. So if that describes you, you were in the right place. I hope you listen to all 183 episodes that we have and to all of the episodes that are coming up this year. So thank you again for being here and let's dive in. All right, if you're a service provider and you have suffered with boundaries being broken, with you going in and into a role or into a job, and all of a sudden you feel like the carpet has been pulled out from underneath you because the leader or the company is requiring and asking something completely different than what you initially agreed upon, and you are left to just say, sure, okay, you say yes, but you don't feel like this is what you should be doing. And you know, it's not what you initially agreed upon. This is called scope creep. And honestly, you're going to come by it over and over and over as a service provider. This was one of the most frustrating things, actually the most frustrating thing that I had to deal with in my career to date. And it's something that doesn't easily go away. So when I had to finally put my foot down and figure out how in the world I was going to get out of the cycle of scope creep, I came up with a framework. It's a five-step framework to eliminating and eradicating scope creep for myself. It worked so well for me that that same exact formula started helping other people that were in my peer circle. Before you know it, it was catching on like wildfire. I have now to date taught over 1,000 people our theory on how to bust scope creep up. So if you have been in that situation, if you are fearful of that situation, if you don't know what to do, if you need a plan to get out of this, I am telling you, this will increase your confidence. This will help you to overcome the barriers from you becoming your next best self. So if any of this resonates with you, please sign up for our upcoming Scope Creep Solution. This is a tested and a tried methodology that we have been talking about for years inside of the Ops Authority. We have returning students come back year after year to just brush up and make sure that they don't stick themselves in the same lamenting situation that they have been in in the past. Join us at scopecreepsolution.com. We are going to kick off on January 30th. It is not too early to sign up now. Again, scopecreepsolution.com. Woo, ladies, I am excited to dive into today's topic where we're doing this podcast a little differently than we have in the past, and we're talking about a current event. I don't know about you guys, but I am constantly asked, what do you do, right? So it doesn't matter if it's me trying to explain that to my mother, to a friend, to a neighbor, to somebody from my past, to someone in my church circle, it doesn't matter. I feel like when someone asks me that question, I immediately just try to dumb it down and just say, oh, I help businesses grow, which is technically what I'm doing. But does that really help my friend, the partner, my the, the curious party on the other side to really understand what it is that I do? Probably not with clarity. So over the Christmas break, I had, we all were exposed, at least a lot of us were exposed to some traveling difficulties. And it was 
first initiated by the storm, but Southwest Airlines has been massively impacted. And I'm going to use this example today to articulate what it is that we do and the importance of why operations is such a pinnacle part in businesses. And so this is really that great analogy that I've been looking for to help people, at least for a short period of time, to help people understand what operations are, why they're important, and what happens, frankly, when they are broken. So hang in there with me today. I think that you're going to learn a lot about what operations is for us so we can be on the same page, but also just give you a real-life example of what happens when it's broken. I know that this is going to be a great reminder for those of you who are listening who are operators to help convey in your marketing, maybe in your face-to-face conversations. It's been powerful for me, and I am assuming it will be powerful for you too. So in case you are not exposed, and maybe those people who don't live in North America or in the United States, and maybe even the Southern region have not been as exposed to this, or maybe you just aren't someone who follows the news, but I know over the Christmas holiday, I had lots of friends on the good old world of Facebook and Instagram who were posting their frustrations and their their sagas, their, their disappointment in the airline carrier Southwest Airlines. And this brought a lot of light, negative light to the company. But my friends, these, these people in my circle were just so saddened and frustrated that they were stuck. They literally were not able to make their connection flights or make any flight at all. Their flights were simply being delayed, 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 and then canceled. And if you've ever been in that situation, it is so frustrating because you feel like you're held captive. You're in an airport and you're just waiting and waiting. You're at the mercy of someone else, which we don't do very good at that. <laughs> so these friends, they were essentially stuck in the airport and strung along for several hours. So I want to give you a little bit of a background on this. So Southwest Airlines is a company that I have been honestly, in business school, we studied a lot about Southwest. Now, I went to school in Texas. Southwest Airlines is a Texas, actually a Dallas-based company here in Texas. And its leadership has really left, it's an initial leader and CEO, left a really, really big highlight for leadership in the world of business. And so it's someone that we have looked up to. The company has been esteemed and I have been a longtime follower of them. I feel like through my age, I have been able to watch Southwest evolve and scale. And it's really just been a company that I have attached myself to. But Southwest was built on the premise of service and They were known, I'll just say historically, they were known for incredible, impeccable service. Going above and beyond was certainly what they were known for. Everything from their pilots were super friendly. They weren't stodgy and stuffy at the front of the plane. They interacted with their customer. Their customer experience was off the charts. And so their very first CEO put a huge emphasis on making sure that they were known for customer support. It solidified their reputation, which definitely helped them to gain a larger customer base. Now, in their early years, they were built on a very simple model, very different than the larger competitors like United, Delta, American, the other carriers that you may be more familiar with. But 
Southwest was built on a very simple model. And this was back in the 90s. They were built with a smaller fleet. So they had fewer planes. They had fewer destinations that they went to. They were somewhat regional in the beginning. Of course, they were Texas-based, as I mentioned. And so they were known for very quick kind of commuter flights between Houston and Dallas, some of our key cities here in Texas. And I remember, frankly, myself flying that flight from Houston to Dallas, like one hour flights. And that's what Southwest was known for. So if you needed to get to Dallas, you might to leave from Dallas to go somewhere else. We, my family actually took flights from Houston to Dallas on Southwest because we were so loyal to them. Now, when we got to Dallas, we would then take another carrier to a larger destination city. So they were known for a small fleet, fewer destinations, kind of up and backs. And Pilots loved it. Not only did it was just a completely new look, but pilots really enjoyed kind of the shorter flights. They also enjoyed having the predictability of being back in their beds and not being all over the country. So this gives you a little bit of the understanding of the background and the history of how Southwest was born. Now, of course, with all companies, once they nail that, just like you probably are, if you're a business owner, you're looking forward to what is next and how to scale how to serve more, impact more, and make a larger profit. So that happened with Southwest as well. And they slowly extended those short trips to longer trips. And they partnered with larger airports in key cities like Chicago and Denver. And because they were known for service and it was highly revered, they were actually beloved And that led to them having such a strong reputation that when they expanded their footprint, good sales continued to happen. And I point that out because had they not had a really strong reputation and great service, those good sales would not have come in as quickly. But because of that, the company was able to scale in a pretty seamless and fast, rapid way. And it led them to having such a solid upswing. So here's the catch. The same infrastructure that started this company continues to support the company today. And so the same infrastructure and the same systems are in place. And those that started the company also supported the scaling of the company. It actually is the same system that still supports the business today, dot, 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 (laughs) until it didn't. So To bring you up to speed, a large part of our nation in late December around the holidays experienced a large winter storm. Now, guys, that is pretty normal for late in December, right? Large winter storms, not uncommon. Pilots, planes, companies, airline carriers have long endured this. Every company, no one in that industry is able to escape that. And they plan around it. They plan for it. Very, very normal for this time of year. But allegedly, this winter storm caused scheduling issues for the pilots, for the crew, for the staff. And before you know it, it was way more than just the winter storm. It's now the IT and the scheduling systems that they use to integrate the schedules and the forecasting to make sure that the pilots knew where to be, where the planes were coming in, et cetera, et cetera, they weren't talking. So if pilots don't have planes and planes don't have crews, passengers are stranded. And if this wasn't bad enough, it's all happening over the largest 
air-traveled holiday of Christmas. This disruption that I'm talking about to operations is the most costly and largest in the history of U.S. airlines. More than 15,000 flights were canceled through this crisis. To make matters even worse, the passengers were getting messages of delayed messages delayed and then finally canceled, which happened over an eight-hour period. Passengers were irate. They were furious. So what do they do? If you've ever been in this situation, you go to a ticketing agent and you say, can you get me on another plane? I don't know what to do. Give us the structure. Give us the guidance. And if they can't help, then you get on your cell phone and you call in to the call center. Guess what? The call center wasn't working. The infrastructure for the telephone system went down as well. So there was a massive, incredibly large, I can't even put the numbers to it, but it was just such an impactful breakdown of systems and planning and forecasting and appropriating funds. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But this is really death by a thousand cuts. Now, I don't think that the airline's actually going to die. And truly, I hope that they don't. I'm one of those loyalists that I really hope that they rise. And I hope that the leader, oh, that's another thing. The CEO has only been here for one year. After the initial really, really revered CEO passed away, we have had a couple, they have had a couple Listen, that's how loyal I am. I'm saying we because I associate myself with the brand. I truly go to them first. When I am looking to fly today, I go to Southwest first. So that's why I said we. But after Herb died, they have had a couple other CEOs and now they have another CEO who has been here for just one year. That's going to be an important part of the story because leadership is going to be the backbone of making any of these decisions to change. And also they are behind the scaling, the theory, the philosophies that they want to take, the strategies that they want to take to scale. So there's been a lot of speculation and even some answers from lots of Southwest employees, their leaders, their pilots, and even past leaders. But there are two pieces that stick out to me, and we're going to break this down a little bit during this podcast. And I want you to hang with me. I want you to see how something in real life is so applicable to the work that you do. And also, as I was describing this, you might be saying to yourself, oh, I would have done this or this should be happening. I want you to pat yourself on the back and give yourself a new title. If you've never called yourself an operational expert or curious of operations, then this is it. This is exactly how an operator's brain works. For myself, I was seeing this happen. I was seeing all of this come out. And the only thing I kept saying is why, why, why? And as soon as I understood that there was a system issue or system glitch, I started to want to fix it in my head. Oh, if they should do this or, oh, I wonder, like my brain just naturally does that. And if yours does that too, I want to give you the title of operator. It is not a sexy title, but it's one that can really, really change your life from a career perspective. So continue to hang out with me because you're going to see how all of this plays together in 
how it can be influential in your career and also how you can see the value that you have and how you can attach a career or a business to it. So again, lots of speculation and two stick out to me. The first one is that they were focused on profitability. So the extra funds that they have that they were reinvesting into the business were really going to the areas of marketing and sales, right? I told you earlier that the company was built off of a reputation of customer service. So the very first CEO put all of his emphasis in making happy customers. That legacy of customer experience has gifted them the ability to scale without having to get people to buy in. They already had people to buy in. So lucky for them, they have been able to scale. Of course, they brought in new customers along the way, new loyalists along the way, but lucky for them, they were able to, what we call in the online business world, increase long-term value through expanding and layering on. They use that same customer base to continue to sell more and more too. But that wasn't satisfactory enough. They wanted to continue to grow that customer base. And so with the increase in profit, they were using that to fund more marketing campaigns, et cetera. And of course, you've got lots of other costs that go into a big word like marketing. But by and large, they were not using and reinvesting their profits into updating their systems. So That leads me to the next thing. The second thing that stuck out to me was just the plain neglect to fix their known antiquated systems. We have had pilots come out left and right who have shared the way that Southwest operates and just the philosophy of how they match pilots and planes. The IT infrastructure that exists is old. It's literally from the 90s. And not only is the philosophy old, but the system that matches it is all so old. Which, by the way, I don't know how much you have nerded out on this, but a lot of other companies, most airline carriers, I am tempted to say all airline carriers, use something called a hub and spoke, where the hubs are these large cities, right? So it might be Denver, it might be Chicago, might be Houston, might be New York, etc. LA, big cities where these airlines have a hub and most of their fleet will go through there. So their pilots, they want their pilots close to those places. So Southwest uses a different, they call it a point system. So point to point to point. And I actually don't think, I've seen a lot of people say that Hub and Spoke is the only way to go and Southwest was kind of ridiculous for not adapting to the Hub and Spoke model over these years. I actually think that the point system is still has a lot of merit to it. But again, the reason this failed was one, the point system, and secondly, the point-to-point system, and then secondly, the fact that the system, the system is was built in the 90s. Their company has exploded. The number of pilots, the, the fleet has exploded. The paths have exploded since then. And the system has long been known not to be able to, it has been known to be faulty, I should say, and have areas of issue. 
Now, in any company, when those issues come up, you document them. And this company is large. They have large, great internal practices. So there are several units, I guarantee you, inside of Southwest Airlines who have been raising their hand for years and years and years saying the system is broken. It's going to officially break. And we have a huge risk because we don't know when it's actually going to break in half. And From the leadership, from the top down, there has been a choice not to appropriate funds to fix the system because it is a huge undertaking. It would be a whole new composition for the operations of the company. Now, my mind goes to work big time, goes to work here because I'm thinking, well, you build another system in tandem and you you do some test runs. You start to slowly roll this out in maybe a couple different paths, but you know, it's not a system that you're able to test and move to live. So anyway, known documented old systems that had issues and known risk to the company. However, the focus was to take the funds, take the profit, and to give them more to marketing than to fix a system that they knew was broken. Now, here's the thing. It had broken in the past. There are plenty of people who have come forward and said, yeah, these systems have broken in the past, but it has never been a complete fracture. So the issue that Southwest has is, yes, the winter storms in some of their bigger cities had started to back planes up. So planes couldn't get there. Pilots couldn't get there. And so this is where it kind of the ripple effect started. And a lot of times these winter storms, they don't impact a lot of cities at one time. So maybe only one area of the country is impacted. Here, a large portion of their major cities were impacted. So that meant that the system was not only breaking in one area, but in most areas. So Once it started breaking in the morning, it just rippled all throughout the day because planes were stuck and pilots were stuck. Because there was such a breakdown, they pulled in 1,000, 1,000 volunteer employees to come in to help this crisis. And those people were manually, listen to me, huge company. They had 1,000 employees manually trying to match planes to pilots. The ripple effects continue to happen. And because it continued to happen, that manual help literally could not continue. So this should tell you, I mean, all of this should tell you appropriating funds to known issues You've got to be smart with that. You've got to know when to say when. You've got to listen to your people. You've got to listen to the risk. And of course, it's a leader's job to weigh the risk. I'm going to say they waited too late, too long to be able to navigate from this. The other thing that is glaringly obvious is you can never stop putting money, time, attention to your operations. I always say that operations are the backbone to business, and this shows you that no matter the marketing that you do, they've spent this massive you know, money on marketing to bring in customers so that they would take their flights over the holidays, and guess what? Without an operational infrastructure, they could not serve them. Instead, they are going to end up paying five times per ticket. And that's the estimated expense right now. Five times per ticket just to make 
the affected passenger whole. So this is covering, you know, new airline bookings. It's covering, this has nothing to do with the Southwest infrastructure upgrade that is inevitable at this point. This is, so it's going to be, we don't have numbers. I researched them before recording this. They don't have total numbers yet, but the impact to their bottom line, all that money that they were, that the profit that they were using into bringing new customers in without the operational infrastructure, they literally could not serve them. And it's not always been like this. This is one circumstance, but I'm going to tell you, they will never forget this. So appropriating funds, listening to your people, when you've got an operational glitch, you cannot turn a blind eye to it. Another thing here is those manual backup systems that they had. I hope that this shows you, it certainly showed me that the world of automation is so important. And yes, it can be cumbersome and it has its own flaws, but manual will never be able to keep up with a scaled volume. That is why when you scale a company, First of all, you scale it through people. Secondly, through systems, through automations, and you know processes are coupled right there with that. So I learned so much through this and what seemed to be kind of a crisis with a customer experience crisis, really, that's what it looked like superficially. And the more it went on, it was a full, and they even called it an operational meltdown. The lack of operational structures will stall your entire business. It doesn't matter the size, your industry, or even an impeccable reputation. You cannot survive without operational structures. So I will just give you ladies a opportunity to identify yourself in this crisis and really looking with a focus on your gifts in a crisis like this. We come in as operators. That is where our gifts shine. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't call myself an operator until I was close to 40 years old. Granted, I've had an operational mind as far back as I can remember at eight years old. And when I say an operational mind at eight years old, I was project managing myself. I made a to-do list every single day. And you know what? Without a to-do list, even at the ripe age of 46, I do not feel productive. I don't feel like I'm able to, to have and achieve the things that I want. I'm not able to achieve success as fast as I would like. And that's really, really important to me. So if you are an operational person, if you are somebody who likes to see the gaps, if I was telling you the story today and you were like, yeah, they should do this, duh. (laughs) If you're one of those people, you likely are an operator. So as someone who's an operational leader, as I was listening and watching this play out, I want to just go through some of the things that went through my mind. They needed solid systems. They may have had them, but here's the part that was missing to me, or at least I had a question about. Were they testing those? Sure, we heard, we understand that they knew that they had a risk with the type of system and the infrastructure that they had, but if they knew that that was a risk, were they testing those systems? As they scaled, were they creating processes? Did they go back to those? And when you have those set up, you've got to audit them, especially in a large organization like this. It's not just the one function, but it's the impact of this one, let's just say process or system on the unit, 
on the entire enterprise. It's not just how it impacts your particular area or your particular role. And then how does this technology support them? My operational mind was thinking of all the ways that, and I kind of alluded to that earlier, of how they could be building a new system in tandem while they were still serving their customers. If they knew that they had a risk, they had to be doing something else. They need to prioritize the opportunities. In my tiny little company, we have something that we call an issues log. This is also a methodology that I teach inside of the Director of Operations Certification Program. But as you're going through launches, as you're working with your team and you're building your team, there's always going to be gaps and opportunities and issues and risk that come up. And we house all of those in an issues log. And it's up to us. We like to do this on a monthly basis to have the leadership team look at all of those opportunities and say, okay, what's next? What can we solve? We have to prioritize them, of course, because we can't tackle everything. You know, we have a system for what we're going to tackle, what the weight of the issue is, and when we're going to get started on it, who's assigned to it, etc. So I see that Southwest had the opportunity to prioritize this and to weight this. Now, if this is the infrastructure that keeps all of your loyal customers happy and avoids issues for your pilots, For the reputation of your company, to me, it should have been weighted number one. They should have absolutely, at least at a minimum, been working on a solution. You know, a frustrating thing that I've said so many times today is the lack of appropriating funds to address these opportunities. Southwest has a very, I've said loyal so many times, but they have, as much as they have a loyal customer base, they have a very loyal employee base. And I just don't think that they have done their due diligence in listening to their people. You're always going to have to balance the needs of the business. And I have a hunch that Southwest and its later leadership has given more weight and spotlight to the areas of marketing and sales and have coasted on the reputation of delivery and service and have fallen through in the operational space. So I really wanted to come here today to just highlight this issue, this situation, this current event, and give you the opportunity to see this through an operator's eyes. I want to let you know that if you are an operational expert, all those things that I just listed off to you, setting up, having an operational plan, looking at your issues log, creating project plans off of the issues that exist, creating processes, being able to scale, auditing, if those things are important to you, finding and implementing efficiencies, looking for technology that supports you today, prioritization, appropriating funds, building teams, finding people who are mission-focused, who are on your team wanting to scale. If those are things that you enjoy, that you are gifted in, you are getting the title of an operational leader today. Through this current event, I want you to see that your natural gifts, all of those things come by me naturally. I would never have put them on a resume in my 20s. Heck, even into my 30s, I wasn't thinking that any of those things were a way that I was going to be able to make a massive impact in businesses. I 
just chalked it up to that's just the way I am. And honestly, I hid behind many of these things because it makes me logical, analytical. It kind of makes me nerdy. It makes me complex sometimes. It makes me look like I'm looking for the gaps, right? I'm looking for the holes. I'm looking for the opportunities. I'm not always the rah-rah person because I am seeing where we have an opportunity to become bigger, better, faster, and serve more people. So if all of this resonates with you, you are likely an operator. And if you are an operator, I want you to deeply consider listening to this podcast. First of all, listen to this podcast. Listen to the 182 episodes before this because you're going to learn a lot about what an operator is, what they do, how they serve, and some success stories. We have a program called the Director of Operations Certification Program where I teach you all of those things, all of the methodologies, the frameworks, the blueprints, give you templates and really true training, teaching, support, and mentorship when it comes to becoming your next best self as an operational leader. So that's how we work with people. We have an upcoming five-day scope creep solution. It's a five-day sprint to helping you get rid of scope creep. If this is the way that your body and your mind is wired, then I wanna tell you that you have come across scope creep. So scope creep could be maybe you're helping on the Southwest infrastructure issue and you are assigned as a project manager of the entire thing or maybe just one piece of it. And through the process, the lines start to get blurred. Instead of just doing one thing, you're now overseeing another part of the project or maybe the dates have been extended. You are experiencing scope creep. It is super common. You see it in your personal life. You definitely see it in your professional life. And this five-day sprint I'm gonna share with you our five-step formula that I have put together has helped thousands, literally thousands of women to get rid, get out of the cycle of scope creep. It is my greatest desire for you to become your next best self. And I believe you do that best when you are free of scope creep. So join us in our upcoming five-day scope creep solution. It's a five-day sprint to becoming your next best self by eradicating scope creep. Join us at scopecreepsolution.com. We will kick off on January 30th. I wanna make sure that you get inside of our private Facebook group to make sure that we start this conversation now. We're gonna talk about stories just like this. We're gonna apply it to your real life. And Southwest Airlines gave us an unfortunate but great opportunity to be able to tie all of this together today. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me for episode 183. I can't wait to see you inside of Scope Creep Solution. I'll see you at scopecreepsolution.com and we kick off January 30th. See you next week or you'll hear from me next week. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.